Section 9 of What She Said and What She Meant and People Who Haven't Time and Can't Afford It by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. People Who Haven't Time and Can't Afford It, Chapter 4 Society Martyrs. Bless your heart and soul! exclaimed Mrs. Johnson, dropping now in utter exhaustion on the chair behind her. I've neither time nor money for anything i'm harassed to death now with all that i have to do i work like a slave mrs layman i really do every bit of my baking i have to do myself cakes and pies and puddings and getting fruits ready all such things i have to attend to it is just work work from morning to night mercy knows i'm sorry for the poor if anybody is but as for giving an afternoon a week to them I couldn't do it any more than I could fly. I just get through now, and that is all. I haven't time to read more than if I couldn't, and Sundays I'm so tired I just lie and doze half the time. I'd help if I could, and I hope you'll succeed, but I've got a large family to take care of, you know, and they are hearty eaters. Mr. Johnson thinks as much of his pies and puddings as he does of me, and I'm the only one who can make them to suit him. Dear me, I haven't time to do another thing. And as for money, my, what little I get of it, I could use a dozen ways at once any time. Actually, I have to spend a good deal of time in planning what we can do without the longest. Oh, I know what it is to be poor. I tell you I'm sorry for them. And six kinds of cake on her supper table was Mrs. Layman's mental comment. Then she thought of the poor people whom she had visited that week, and contrasted their homes with Mrs. Johnson's. But that lady was in a hurry, her oysters were overdoing, and her toilet was not quite made, and it was growing late. There was no use to talk to her. Yet Mrs. Layman by no means despaired of her. She knew an argument that is often needed for such natures as hers, as well as for some natures not in the least like hers. "'I'll tell you what it is, Mrs. Johnson,' she said briskly. "'I mustn't hinder you now, and I hope you will have a real pleasant time this evening. But I want you to promise me that some day next week you will take an afternoon and come make some calls with me down on Higby Lane. It will only be one afternoon, you know, and that will help a good deal.' Mrs. Johnson mopped her hot and tired face with her apron, and said doubtfully she didn't know. Maybe she could manage to find one afternoon, but she had a great deal to do. Still, one afternoon, if that would be any help, she would really try to go after she got rested. "'I am so tired now,' she said frankly, that if they should all send word they couldn't come, and I could go to bed right away and sleep till day after tomorrow, I think I should like it best of anything. I never have time to get rested. But one afternoon, well, yes, I'll try to do that much. Mrs. Layman went away smiling. What homes she would show her, homes of which she did not dream. What if it could waken her to a sense of her opportunities and responsibilities? What if it should even, in time, 
show her that six kinds of cake made by a woman who has no time to do any of christ's work were six absolute sins what an accomplishment would that be and she tripped up the steps to mrs porter's as though she had received a twenty-dollar donation at the last place and expected as much more here mrs porter was sewing and she was in her back sitting-room and had her two children with her another mrs layman's you think see if it is that back sitting-room was the dingiest spot in the house and every broken-down piece of furniture that the house contained seemed to have been moved in there i don't make company of you you see the hostess said half apologetically as mrs layman helped herself to a seat the children smash things around so that i don't try to keep anything decent in this room she was grim and severe over the question of the poor she didn't believe in them any more than mr landor did in a quieter but an equally dogged way i haven't time to go racing up and down the world tending to other folks's affairs she said severely even if there was need for anybody to do it i couldn't people who have to do their own work sewing and all are not the ones to look after other folks i do every stitch of my family sewing mrs layman and it keeps me slaving night and day she was slaving at that moment on a polonaise for her daughter helen aged twelve and it had a row of knife pleating all around the bottom and a row of bows up and down the front and a row of buttons everywhere at least so it seemed to mrs layman's eyes as she surveyed the gleaming things that went over the left shoulder in little clusters as though to have them an inch apart would not have consumed enough of them why don't those people go to work and earn their own living who would employ them mrs porter would you i no she said with grim satisfaction but there are people enough who like to get their work done for them while they run around and attend to other folks i never was one of that sort and in objection to your theory of work there are a great many other people who do their own some who are obliged to and some who prefer to on the score of economy they think but really because by so doing they can save enough to be able to put another ruffle on their dress did mrs layman glance surreptitiously at the skirt which belonged to the polonaise lying near her on a chair and which had two carefully made and carefully trimmed ruffles on it possibly the suggestion that she might have done so made mrs porter savage that's their concern i take it she said stoutly if they choose to spend their money in ruffles and don't steal nor beg them they are accountable to nobody as i look at it in which we should differ mrs layman said speaking very gently you and i have proclaimed before a watching world that we are the lords that our time and money and strength and talents belong to him to do with as he directs whether therefore the time shall be spent in pleading ruffles and the money in furnishing them would depend on whether he saw an end to be attained that would honor him would it not this was new ground to mrs porter evidently she had never realized in her life 
that she had promised any such thing rather she had plumed herself on being independent some answer must be made to this waiting woman and puzzled and annoyed she knew not what to say it was this that made her voice more irritable in its tone than before i never have time for philosophizing over things my work always lies before my eyes and i go ahead and do it the best i can that's my duty i believe yes mrs layman said still very gently but i think it is one of the most intensely practical questions of the day and one that i should think would puzzle people more and more the higher they reach in the social scale how far their planning and spending and sewing could be made to subserve the interests of the master but we are not getting on with the question at hand as to these poor people supporting themselves many of them could work if they had the opportunity but for the women especially work is hard to find and skilled laborers are plenty and among the men their awful enemy that a free and intelligent and christian people have licensed to do its worst is working wonders of poverty and sin then there are those who could not work if there were anything for them to do they are too old or too sick or they have little children swarms of them clinging to their skirts something must be done to save them or they and their children will go to ruin together mrs porter shut her lips tight and sewed and talked fast they are a shiftless drinking thieving set the most of them i know those higby lane folks the very worst scum you can find in the city that is most painfully true but you know the bible doesn't read feed the hungry who are worthy clothe the naked who are sober and virtuous tell the respectable and moral people about christ and heaven you see mrs porter these are questions with which in a sense we have nothing to do or rather the poorer and lower people are the more imperative is their need of christ who came to save to the uttermost this time mrs porter sewed away very fast and spoke no word won't you give us a little of your time the pleader asked timidly after a moment of silence she had not deemed it wise to ask here for money not that there was no money but that there were many ruffles and side pleadings and bias bands of silk and velvet and whatever other costly material was the prevailing fashion for there was a grown-up daughter as well as the two little ones and the twelve-year-old i have no time to give was the short and comprehensive answer a woman who does her own sewing has dreadful little time especially if she does her work as she ought to do it and i calculate to keep my house in order some folks think that amounts to nothing but i consider it as much a christian duty as anything is so do i i quite long for the privilege of helping some of these poor mothers whom i have been visiting to make their dreary and in every way dreadful homes into something more worthy of the name how much you could help some of them by a few kind suggestions well my own home needs me i look after that without any suggestions from anybody and so might they i dare say if they wanted to it is the desire to do better that's lacking 
you may depend upon that i think my first duty is to my children i stay at home with them who is to look after my children i wonder while i go to higby lane and take care of other people's sarah jane don't you put your feet on that table again if you do i'll whip you as sure as you're alive and you thomas no more whistling i'll tell your father of you see if i don't and then you'll catch it no mrs layman you and i shouldn't agree i suppose if we should talk till midnight you believe in making homes pleasant for other folks and i believe in tending to my own home sarah jane sit down in that chair and don't get up again until i tell you you may and that's just the difference between us by this time mrs layman was fully of the opinion that she and her neighbor would never agree even though they talked on forever and without promise or shadow of promise or help or sympathy from this christian woman she was obliged to take her leave at another time perhaps mrs porter would not have been so hard-hearted in truth she was sore-hearted she had a reasonable degree of expectation that she would be invited to partake of those six kinds of cake and pickles and cream salad and hot rolls gotten up by mrs johnson and not having been summoned to the feast she was feeling aggrieved thereat so mrs johnson's duty to society was productive of bitterness in the heart of at least one sister and reacted in a manner that was not for the good of the cause End of section 9